The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, on June 30, 2013, based on 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 14 through 18. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God through which the Holy Spirit strengthens our hope in Jesus is the first half of the first lesson, 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 14 through 18. Elijah replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram, also anoint Jehu son of Nimshai king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve seven thousand in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Why bother? Has that feeling ever swept over you? Oh, I'm not focusing on the minor frustrations of life, like why bother scrubbing the kitchen floor when the kids keep traipsing mud in and out? No, I'm talking about the waves that come crashing down on us. Maybe those waves are all those little frustrations finally piling up and overwhelming us. Or maybe it's one sudden catastrophe that overwhelms us in a fell swoop. Or maybe it's the general weariness of our daily toil that finally wears us away. Or maybe it's the the decrease in morality, the love of most growing cold, and the opposition of God's truth ever increasing in the world around us. How easily that feeling, why bother, floods over us, and all hope washes away. That's what happened to the great prophet, Elijah. How uplifted he must have been when the Lord sent down fire from heaven in answer to his prayer. You remember how that happened on Mount Carmel as the prophets of Baal prayed to their God for no, and nothing happened. No fire was sent on their altar. But then Elijah prayed and that divine fire burnt not only the sacrifice but the wood, the stone, the soil and the water around the altar. And as that happened, the people could see that the Lord, the Lord truly was the God, the only God, and Baal only an empty, foolish, false, powerless idol. The 450 prophets of Baal that had gathered on Mount Carmel for that challenge were put to death. 
Then the Lord sent rain, ending years of drought. What a day for the Lord's prophet! But how quickly emotions change. After that apparent victory, rather than seeing a ongoing spiritual revival as people rallied to follow the Lord, Elijah received a death threat from Queen Jezebel. He panicked and fled to the south. He had given up. He was ready to die. Why, Father, he had done his best. He had been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. And how did it turn out? God's enemies always seemed to come out on top. The Lord's altars were destroyed. His prophets killed. Elijah felt like he was the only one left. All hope was gone. Why bother? The Lord's message to Elijah, dear friends, also lifts up you and me. No matter what kinds of waves are crashing against you, trying to flood your life and overwhelm you, Jesus is your rock and your salvation. He stands firm. In him alone is our hope. And so, dear friends, our hope is confident that Jesus, our Lord, reigns. That's the theme here this morning. Our hope is confident that our Lord reigns. He governs the nations. That's part one. And he preserves his people, his church, part two. First of all, we see how he governs the nations. And that's what he wanted to teach Elijah, first of all, as well. Let's go back to those days of Elijah the prophet. It appeared as though the godless were in control. Wicked King Ahab and his foreign wife Jezebel were ruling over the northern tribes of Israel. They introduced Baal worship. They persecuted the followers of the Lord. It appeared that the godless were in control. The Lord made it clear to Elijah and to us that despite appearances, he, the Lord, he was the only one that was in control of the rise and fall of nations and kings. That's why he tells Elijah to go and and, and do that work. Anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshai, king over Israel. The Lord wanted to make it clear that he... He knew what was going to happen and he was in control. And and how did these things play out? Well, these were not immediate changes of power. In fact, these men did not become king until after Elijah was taken up to heaven. But the Lord wanted to make it known to Elijah that the Lord knew the future and he was in control. So often, our emotions are caught up in the ups and downs of the moment. We forget that the Lord is in the driver's seat and we get caught up in our emotions. But that is a good thing, though, that the Lord is the one driving, isn't it? It's a good thing that we are not in that driver's seat, that we are not the ones in control. For so often we focus on that bug smashed on the windshield rather than on the bridge out up ahead. And so the Lord 
shows us that he knows the future. He sees not only that bug on the windshield, he sees all of life, past, present, and future. He knows which governments rise and fall, which nations come and go, as well as knowing every detail of our life. So be confident, dear friends, be confident that the Lord knows, despite what the politics and power games are played out by the nations and leaders of this world still today, the Lord is the one who reigns. He not only sees and knows, he's in control. Our hope is confident because our Lord reigns. He governs the nations. And that's what we see play out in the days of Elijah and afterwards. Aram, which today would be modern-day Syria, was a perennial enemy of Israel. When its king, Ben-Hadad, became sick, his aide, Haziel, took a uh, thick cloth, soaked it in water, and covered Ben-Hadad's face with it as he lay helpless in bed, smothering him. And so with Ben-Hadad dead, Haziel grabbed the throne of Aram, just as the Lord had worked out. And we also see here that Haziel is not what we would call a God-fearing man. The Lord would use him to punish the nation of Israel for their apostasy, for their turning away from the Lord. And even before Haziel actually carries this all out, the prophet Elisha, weeps because he knows the hurt and harm Haziel as king of Aram would do to Israel. And likewise, after Haziel becomes king of Aram, Jehu also becomes king of Israel. Jehu was not from the royal family. He was an army officer. But the Lord used him to exterminate the house of Ahab for its wickedness and also to massacre the prophets of Baal for leading the people astray. But Jehu also was not one who fully followed the Lord. And so we see, dear friends, that indeed the Lord, our God, governs the nations, but that does not mean that good governments will always prevail or that life on this earth will improve. No, just as in the days of Elijah and Elisha, so also in our day the Lord can raise up a wicked nation to punish another nation. He uses the pains and problems of politics to remind you and me that our hope is not in this world or in what the earthly governments can do. Our hope is in Jesus. He alone is the firm rock on which we stand. We live by faith, trusting that our Lord is in control, that he truly does govern the nations, even though our own earthly lot may not improve or may actually worsen. For no matter what the governments end up doing, we can live each day confident that our Lord reigns. And since he reigns, he is taking care of us, no matter what earthly governments may do. Yes, he is taking care of us. Just look at how he still is able to channel so many earthly blessings of peace and prosperity to us through 
government and its institutions despite all its problems. The Lord takes care of us. No matter how bad a government may become or how evil its laws turn out to be, we can face each day with that confidence that our Lord is in control, that he is taking care of us for his mercies are new every morning and so our hope is renewed day after day. For our Lord reigns. Our hope is confident of that. And he truly is our Lord. For look at how he ransomed us to be his very own people so that he is our gracious and merciful Lord. And he has risen from the dead and ascended to reign over all with the power of God's right hand. How much greater than any power of man. What is the power of all the earthly governments combined compared to our Lord who ransomed us with his blood to be his very own? So our hope is confident because our Lord reigns. He governs the nations. And as he governs the nations, he preserves his people, his church. And that's the second part here. He also made this clear to Elijah. Elijah was not the only one left of God's people. In fact, the Lord would see to it that even after Elijah was gone, God's message would continue to be proclaimed. That's why he sends Elijah to anoint Elisha as prophet. For you see, the Lord will not let his church perish. He preserves his people by sending faithful preachers and teachers. And so he tells Elijah here, Anoint Elisha to succeed you as prophet. I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and all whose mouths have not kissed him. And we, dear Christians, we have those same promises from our Lord. Just as he raised up prophets of old to proclaim his message, so also he still today sends pastors and teachers to proclaim his word. He makes that promise, for example, through through the Apostle Paul, who writes in Ephesians, But to each one grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people. Faithful teachers of God's word are a gracious gift from our ascended Lord, Jesus Christ, who reigns over all. Listen to them, for through the message of God's word proclaimed by faithful pastors and teachers, our Lord preserves his people, his church. Yes, even though we may feel like a little flock harassed on every side, our Lord will not let his church perish Individual congregations and even whole church bodies and synods may come and go. Some may remain faithful for a while, others may fall away quickly. But the church will not perish. For you see, somewhere on this earth there will always be 
God's faithful people gathered around his word and sacraments. Those who faithfully confess the gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord, they are the church. They no longer bow down to the ways of this world and kiss the world's empty promises of happiness and wealth. Rather, as humble servants, they bow down before the word of our God, always ready to listen. And as dear children, they kiss their Lord, confessing with their mouths that his name is the only name that saves. This is the Lord's promise to us. Think about the words that he said after Peter confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus promised, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. His church will not perish. Because of this promise, our hope is confident. Jesus reigns as Lord of his church. He will preserve his people. And what good news that is for you and me, dear Christian friends. What great good news. What hope that brings us no matter what kinds of waves are crashing against us. We don't need to throw up our hands and exclaim, Why bother? For our Lord reigns. Our hope is confident of that. Our Lord reigns. For you see, even though you and I are weak and sinful, that still small voice calls from Bethlehem's manger. He calls to you and me and says, Don't be afraid. Don't lose hope. I, your Savior, have come into your sin-filled world to reconcile you to God, bringing you peace. I am the light of hope that shines in your darkness. I am the solid rock in your storm. For I have carried your sins to the cross to make you right with God. I have risen from the dead and ascended above all. I, your Savior, reign over all. I govern the nations and I preserve you, my blood-washed people, my holy church. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.